0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, everybody. So glad we can get together again this weekend. My message is titled, God Blesses the Faithful. Say that, God blesses the faithful. In this message, we will look at the blessing of God On the faithful while we're here on the earth. We'll also look at the blessings of God on the faithful once we get to heaven, because what we do here as being faithful will have eternal rewards. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 7. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. When Abraham had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him. Let's read that line again. When Abraham had proved himself faithful, you, God, made a covenant with Abraham to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. And you have done what you promised, for you are always true to your word. Now, in this portion of scripture, we see that God entered a covenant with Abraham because Abraham Was faithful. Now, all those who are faithful walk in the power and blessing of the covenant. That covenant which God made with Jesus and with Abraham. We walk in the blessing of that covenant. God protects the faithful. According to Psalm 31 and verse 23, love the Lord all you faithful ones for the lord protects those who are loyal to him but he harshly punishes all who are arrogant so be strong and take courage all you who put your hope in the lord now you know i had a heart attack november 3 and it doesn't seem like that verse worked for me right But as I said in one of my teachings, it wasn't God's fault, it wasn't the devil's fault, it was my own fault. The Lord warned me that I should check my arteries because they were blocked for over a year. And I never followed through on that as I should have. So even though that happened to me, I can't blame God and say, now God, you don't protect the faithful, because he does. Nothing will ever happen to you that's bad without him trying to warn you first. Alright, so verse 24 again, Be strong and take courage, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Praise God. In other words, be happy if you put your faith in God. God promotes the faithful servant. Matthew twenty-four forty-five. Jesus says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? So we can see God put the faithful servant in charge of his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him so doing. In other words, if the faithful person will continue to do faithful things as God directs him to do. He will be greatly blessed. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So God says, Jesus said, the faithful person will put into a place of absolute authority and influence. Not only down here, but also in heaven. Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 10, Unless you are faithful in small money matters, you won't be faithful in large money matters. If you cheat even a little with money, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. What are the greater responsibilities? In other words, God's financial blessing in your life. Jesus is saying, if we're not faithful with a small amount of money, then he won't trust us with large amounts of money. All right, verse 11. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, what is worldly wealth? For example, our salary would be worldly wealth. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you? Worth the true riches of heaven. Alright? So Jesus is saying, God's heavenly abundance is ours. If we are faithful, worth our small amounts of money, our salary, for example. If we tithe, give offerings, that's what Jesus is talking about here. You will see that in a moment if we carry on reading. Verse 12. And if you are not faithful with other people's money, who's that? Other people referring to God's money, the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. The tithe is the Lord's. And the tithe is something we pay. The New Testament says we pay our tithes in Hebrews. A seed is something we sow. That is over and above the 10%. That becomes a seed. And if you are not faithful with other people's money, that's God's time, why should you be trusted with money of your own? In other words, God's abundant blessing will not come to us if we're not faithful with God's time and giving it back to the church or giving it back to the Lord. Jesus is Lord over those who are tiredness. No doubt about it. Money is master over those who refuse to tithe. Those who refuse to tithe don't tithe because they've got more faith in that 10% than they do in God's ability to help them. They're saying, I can't give this money to God because I need it to pay bills. And if I give it to God, God can't help me pay my bills. Money can do more for me than God can. So therefore, the person who refuses to tithe is actually making money his master. All right, verse 13 wraps it all up and confirms what I'm saying. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus said, we cannot serve both God and money. So if I'm a entitled, then I'm serving God with my money and he can bless me abundantly. But he won't trust me with great riches and prosperity if I can't be trusted with a small amount of money to start with. And this is not the time to to not tithe. In the difficult challenges that we face in our world today, we need God's help. I would recommend no one hold back with God's tithe. Don't do it. Be faithful. Even if you lose your job as a tither, you can claim God's provision the whole time. You can say, Father, I thank you. I'm a tither. The windows of heaven above me are open. Therefore, I believe every knee is met. According mm-hmm. to Philippians 4.19, you are taking care of me and my family. Every bill is paid. And supernaturally, if you'll say the right words, God will honor that because you have a covenant with him, a financial covenant to bless you and provide for you because you are a tither. So don't be concerned about it. God will give you a better job, but he will take care of you. You'll see. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me, Paul the Apostle, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, God is saying here through the writings of Paul the Apostle, we can trust faithful people to complete the assignments they are given. That's why it says, commit the teaching to faithful people because they will teach others what you teach them. All right, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So here we see that Jesus is saying the person who is faithful will be promoted now and especially in heaven and will be a ruler over much in heaven. Jesus said something similar in Luke 19 and verse 17. He says, Well done, the king explained. You are a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Now that's obviously talking about heaven and eternity. And the Lord is saying, because you were faithful with the small things I gave you to do and you did them, you will be in charge of 10 cities in heaven. And uh, God honors the faithful in heaven, as you can read right there in Luke 19, verse 17. Not only will we be blessed here, but also in eternity. The faithful have eternal rewards. Now, what will life be like in heaven? Since we're going to receive these great promotions and rewards in heaven, I'm sure we would like to know a little bit about it. What is the relationship between the new heaven and the new earth? Will the new earth be anything like the old earth? Will God live among us? like he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? What does the Bible mean when it says, we will rule and reign with Christ in the new heaven? Will the new heaven and the new earth be anything like the old paradise of Adam and Eve? What do we know about the new Jerusalem? What will our resurrected bodies be like? What will we eat and drink in the new eternal heaven? Or will we even eat and drink in the new eternal heaven? Will we have responsibilities in the new heaven? Will we have friends in heaven? Or will we automatically know everybody in heaven? Will there be marriage and family in heaven? Will there be functions, sports events, adventures, and trips out of the country in heaven? Will there be animals in heaven? Will our pets be with us in heaven? How will we travel in heaven? What's the difference between the existing heaven and the new heaven and the new earth? The Bible has answers to all of these questions. It becomes a very interesting picture when all the pieces are put together. This will get, when you learn all this, it will get the faithful very, very excited. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 1, from the New Living Translation, don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. Verse 2 There are many rooms in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. So Jesus said, When everything's ready, I'll come and get you. He's talking about the rapture. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, he's saying, Thomas, because you know me, you will automatically be taken to heaven to be with me. All right, go to Revelation 21 and verse 1 from the NRV translation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. The dwelling of God is with men, and God will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. In this portion of Scripture, that we've just read we understand that the father has planned for the human race to dwell on the earth god made the earth and planned for man to live on it satan tempted adam and eve and through their sin destroyed god's original plan of mankind living on an earth The earth fell under a desperate curse as a result of man's sin. The glory of the earth was lost. Mankind became a shadow of what God's original intention was. God came to the earth. He took on a human body. Then He took the judgment and the punishment for man's sin. God resurrected the human race, back into fellowship with Himself once more, and God will also resurrect the earth as well. God will create a new heaven and a new earth for the new man, who is now in God's very own image and likeness, the born-again believer created into the very image and likeness of God in His Spirit. God will give us this new heaven and new earth because you believe in Jesus. According to Mark 16, 16, if you are a believer in Christ, then you are saved and you will go to this new heaven and new earth. Continue serving Him faithfully. All this happened because of Adam's sin, this tragedy, when he ate the forbidden fruit. I know we like to call it an apple. Uh, we don't know what he ate. But nevertheless, he disobeyed God. I don't think we have fully understood the consequences of Adam's sin and the devastation brought to the human race and the planet Earth, the animals, the birds, the fish, and all of the plants. I don't think we fully understand the consequences of that sin. In fact, we don't understand the severity of sin as God sees it. Because of one sin of Adam in the garden, eating something he was told not to, God had to come to earth and die on the cross. That's a severe sentence. Now let's continue from Revelation 21 and verse 5, where we left off. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He overcomes, will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So we see Jesus is telling us that we have a huge, great inheritance that our mind cannot actually comprehend right now. Hebrews 2.14 Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could Jesus die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could God deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. But let me tell you a wonderful secret. God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In a blinking of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies, and then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never. Die. When this happens, when our perishable earthly bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies, they will never die. Then at last the scriptures will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the Lord gives sin its power. How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. Always be enthusiastic and faithful about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is in vain. You shall be rewarded, faithful servant. For those of us who are born again by the Spirit of God, we have no fear of death. It has no sting for us. The Lord Jesus has saved us from the sphere. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. What that means is, as we leave our bodies in death, in falling asleep, rather, we are instantly in the glorious presence of God. Instantly in the glorious Presence of God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. The Bible says, precious precious in the sight of the Lord and the saints fall asleep. We don't die. We live forever. Life of God's in us. We'll never leave the life of God. We just fall asleep in Christ. Our spirits and the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, consumes us when we step out of these bodies. And we are instantly present with the Lord in heaven. Life on earth is only a shadow of what life will be like on the new earth and the new heaven. Just as the Father planned for us to have responsibilities in this life, along with sports, recreation, and adventures, so the Father has planned this for us in the new heaven, and the New Earth. Only that will be far more spectacular, far more exciting and far more enjoyable than we ever dreamed it could be. Yes, life in heaven is similar to life on earth except a million times better. This is the reward of the faithful. And I will continue with this message next weekend. We'll learn more about our future home, the inheritance of the faithful. We love you all. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you say, Apostle Theo, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss all that wonderful blessing God has. Can he help me? Yes, I can. Say this little prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Save my life. I accept you as Lord and Savior. I will live for you and serve you with all my heart till I see you on that glorious day. God bless you for saying that prayer. Pastor and I, are pray for you continually, and we love you through our hearts. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners,